What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always are my great co-hosts, Federico Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, there is a lot to talk about today, but first we do have to have a special mention on Happy Olympics Day. It is the first day of the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, and we want to send our shout-outs to the athletes of Paraguay who are competing in this in various sports. Certainly, we'll be keeping an eye on them. We saw them in the opening ceremony with the Paraguayan flag a lot of names actually a big multitude of names that we haven't seen in in years past so all the best of luck to them in Tokyo and hopefully that we can bring back some glory and I mean a medal back to their country but let's focus on what's been going on on the soccer pitch because there's been a lot that's been going on in the Libertadores in the Sudamericana and also in the women's game actually a bit of controversy that's been going on but let's go straight to it let's go all the way to the motherland, to Fede Perez. Fede, how are you, man? I'm good, Roberto. Hi to everybody. How's it going? I hope everybody's well. Coming back for another week of Paraguayan football here in Guarani Vision. Well, uh, unfortunately, kind of started out this last week kind of sad with the sad news of uh, the passing away of, of head coaches of Cerro Porteño, Francisco Arce's son, who crashed his car and died in the spot. I mean, well, that was just a, such a shocking news for the whole uh, football community here in Paraguay. And that happened right before uh, Cerro Porteño had to fly to Brazil to play their Libertadores game against Fluminense. Their second leg, that game was postponed. They did not play this week. So we have the, you know, the expectation open that we can still get another Paraguayan team into those, uh, into the next round of, of 16 teams. Obviously, we have Olympia there now. We have, we have Libertad going forward in Sudamericana also. So it was good news in results. It was a very positive, good week for us here in Paraguay due to this, due to the teams and due to what they did in, in this Sudamericana and Libertadores. I'm happy for Libertad. I mean, they, they really suffered a lot here in, 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 in Paraguay playing in Defensores del Chaco, where they're going to play the, the rest of the year. They're going to play there for the local tournament, and they're also going to play the rest of their Sudamericana journey in the Defensores del Chaco. They suffered, they lost, but they still went ahead. So I'm happy for them. And now another Brazilian coming along. I'm so tired of these Brazilian teams. I mean, they're just everywhere in the Libertadores and also in the Sudamericana. Olympia was biting their nails also to the last minute. Alfredo Aguilar, the big hero for their team. Oh my God, so many saves during the 90 minutes of penalty. And then on penalty shootout, thankfully one of the Brazilians wasn't able to to put it in there and uh, Olympia moves on ahead, but they suffered. I don't know if they have enough to make it far in this Libertadores. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Libertad. We'll talk about everything that's going on in the Paraguayan league, in the Paraguayan football, like always. It's nice to be here, Roberto. Uh, it's nice to have you. Let's go straight to someone who hopefully has a more cured heart and hopefully a voice that is actually able to speak after what we saw last night. Maria, how are you holding up after all the drama that we saw in the last uh, 12 hours or so? Oh my God, you guys, that was a great game. And it's true, Aguilar was truly the hero of that game. And I'm so happy for them that they, they were able to go through and... Um, you know, we'll talk about a little bit of, of how that uh, game went. But yeah, super happy for them. Um, they needed this. Uh, uh, the team needed it. And, and I think that they were um, confident in how they play. They were able to maintain uh, in international's pace and, and keep them nil-nil the whole game. That, that way they ended up going to the penalties where um, 
uh, I think it was uh, Gonzalez that made the, the winning penalty. So uh, yeah, super happy. And um, I'm looking forward to, to, um, to see what, who, how they play the next round. Um, I know they have, um, they're gonna play against Flamengo. So it's gonna be another tough Brazilian side. Uh, we'll see. I, I have my hopes up now. <laughs> Going to Ralph on this one, you know, it's kind of like that old, it's one of those famous nights in Olympia. They finally somehow do these type of games when all that pressure is up to them, you know, back behind against the wall and they get these matches. We've seen it before. We've seen it for decades and that's how they win these type of competitions. So not only did we see history last night in the way that they performed, but looking at the next rival that they play, you could also say that it's despite Flamengo being a tough, tough team and one of the best in South America at the moment, it's size for Olympia, if you think about it. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Hi, guys. Hi, everybody watching and listening. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, this on paper, Olympia shouldn't have gone through. Even if you look at the stats, probably they maybe didn't deserve to go through. I think they didn't have a shot on target at least through the first, like, 60, 70 minutes. So, you know, it's, it's incredible how they managed it. But it, this is not an isolated incident, as you mentioned. They've they've done this before. They they beat Internacional in 1989 in the in the semifinals. They won in the same stadium in the Beira Rio, and then it went to penalties. And that game they won on penalties. Internacional missed their fourth penalty, which is what happened last night. It's like it's incredible. Some of these deja parallels. vu, deja vu again. Deja vu. I mean, poor Diego Aguirre, who's the coach of Internacional, he was in the playing squad. He didn't actually play that night in 1989, but he was on Internacional's books in the playing squad. He must be sick and tired of, of Olympia. Um, but it's a huge result. They're the only team that that's knocked out a Brazilian side. I think in both Libertadores and Sudamericana, if I'm right. I, I think, you know, all the Brazilian sides have got through except Fluminense are waiting for Cerro, of course, but uh, Internacional and it's, it's Olympia again. So, you know, against Flamengo, Flamengo have never beaten them in the Libertadores, six games and counting. In 2012, uh, I think it was 2012 or was it 2013 when they had that great game with Flamengo, they were losing 3-0 and then they came back and got the 3-3 draw. So, I mean... They have a good history against them, so so let's see. I think I think anything can happen. We'll talk about it in more detail, but I, I think you know a lot of it is that is having that character like Sergio Orteman, who's been there and done it. He's won Copa Libertadores, not just with Olympia, he won with Boca as well. So he kind of knows what it takes as a player, and maybe some of that's rubbing off on the side. Absolutely. And I want to go straight into, obviously, what we saw last night at the Bay Rio. And let's go to Maria on this one, obviously, because I remember what we saw, uh, we talked about last week about how Olympia needed that kind of motivation. They needed to show what they were, what their history was. And even when this kind of situation happens, you, they didn't get the goal in, um, in Paraguay. And now they had to go over there in Brazil to get a result. And they did that. Albeit, it took a bit of luck and obviously great performances by Aguilar saving the penalty having great saves throughout the game and obviously what we saw in the shootout but there are still issues that are going with this side it's a remarkable result yes but now I think and I'm curious to see what you think it's like where do we see the other one stepping up because that's what exactly is needed especially to win this competition I'm not saying Olympia are going to go and win it maybe you can make the case if they do defeat Flamengo that it starts to it's time to think about that uh, dream, but they got to improve. Nevertheless, they can't be getting these type of performances. Um, it might work, but not in a consistent way. Right. You're totally right, Roberto. 
they need to be more convincing in the field. They are making a lot of defensive mistakes. Um, you saw, I believe it was Salazar that gave uh, Inter the, the penalty. So even though it was, a, it was an iffy penalty, but still, you know, you can't, you can't risk those kind of things, especially if you're in a game that's, um, that's nil-nil and anything can happen. So it's, it, they got to prove to everyone that they actually are deserving of, of being in the Libertadores. Um, they got to make more changes, um, I guess, both in def defensively and, and um, attacking-wise, because uh, like uh, Ralph said, there wasn't any uh, shot on target until the second half of the game. And that's very concerning because you need to score games if you need to, if you're going to win. You can't just win on penalties all the time or in, in nil nil games. So it's, it's, it's a matter of making adjustments for Orteman that he needs to make sure that he's getting the, the plays uh, going and, and, and getting results from the plays that he's, uh, that he's creating, that the players are creating. But um, other than that, I, I saw um, I saw very uh, good enthusiastic uh, team. Olympia was um, had that like I always talk about that that will of, of winning. I saw them much more um, concentrated than than last time. So I think if if um, like Ralph said, uh, Orteman that knows how to win, uh, Libertadores maybe that's rubbing off like he said. So he's probably uh, giving them the, um, he's encouraging them to step it up. And that's what a manager is supposed to do. So in terms of that, I think they're getting there and, and the willingness to, to win, they're, they're catching on that. I think as Absolutely. well, Ottoman, sorry, Roberto, I was just going to say, I think as well, Ottoman, to his credit, he set the team up wrong, in my opinion, in the first half, right? He put Brian Ojeda, he tried to play him on the right-hand side, and he wasn't very comfortable. And, you know, with Tyson and Thiago Gallardo come back into that international team, they're moving the ball much quicker than we saw in the first leg. And that's, you know, a lot of the pressure was being generated there. But what he did to his credit is he 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 switched the team around at halftime. He brought on Ale Silva. He put uh, Ojedo into the middle. He'd taken off Ricalde, who wasn't really involved in the game. And that maybe gave also Delis Gonzalez a bit more, you know, freedom to be a bit closer to... To Peter and kind of moving those parts around, it, it, it actually made more sense, at least more kind of structurally and defensively. Um, then there is the mistake by Salazar, like like Maria said. So nothing, it wasn't perfect in that second half. But I did think Olympia, although they gave away a lot of possession as they were doing the whole game, they seemed kind of more more sure of themselves in that second half than in the first half. And it, it was that first half that it could have been. They could have been blown away like three or four nil if Aguilar hadn't been up to the task. Absolutely. And so, Fede, I wanted to go to you on this one because now comes Flamengo. And we saw what Flamengo can do to teams. You know, we're not saying that they are the big, big giants of South America right now. But, you know, for Olympia's case, and I think we saw a good performance from the defense. I think we saw Salcedo do well. Ivan Torres had a good game. Obviously, we needed to see more from the, the attack. Kind of, we did see that a bit more in the second half. But how do you assess this Olympia side and what they should improve ahead of their game now against Flamengo? Obviously, they need to improve a lot of things. Uh, they, they need to have more football in that midfield. Uh, I mean, this team, this team is not 
making as much plays as they used to. I mean, you're expecting for them to 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 get in that box a lot more, uh, and you need to get the best out of the out of some players. Also, I think some players are not are going through their best moment right now, and you're gonna have to make the best out of this time that you got out now that that you were able to go through Inter uh, after suffering after sweating so much in Porto Alegre. I mean, Olympia is going to have to step it up. They're going to have to go up, to, uh, go against one of the best teams in South American football. They demonstrated these last couple of seasons. I mean, uh, we said it last week also, Inter was beatable. This team, we, we looked at it uh, at that first leg, at that first match in, in Asuncion, and Olympia had it right there. They could have won it. It, it was a 0-0, but it was a 0-0 because Olympia just couldn't score. I mean, they in that game, Daniel... The, the goalkeeper for their team, for the Inter team, that was, that was the best player of the match. And in this second game, the, the, the best player of the, of the game was Alfredo Aguilar, Olympia's, uh, Olympia's goalkeeper. So, you know, each team had their moments in, in the series, I believe. And in these kind of uh, Libertadores games, uh, I think this is what you can pretend from our Paraguayan teams, you know, to suffer, to I had to adjust to the games. And I talked about this before. O Olympia was going to have to adjust to some of these games. They were going to have to manage the ball, the situations, and they did it awesome. Why? Because they have Alfredo Aguilar by, they, by their side. I mean, give this guy their, his props. This guy deserves it. I mean, he's been champion so many times in the Paraguayan game. He shouldn't even been playing in Paraguay. This guy should be in Europe in my, in my way of, of seeing it. I don't know why his career was always here. Uh, this guy has had a level that, that goes beyond my belief. And uh, he's just done incredible things here in what I need back in the days. Now in, in Olympia, uh, in a bigger team, obviously uh, winning more championships. Uh, and that's put him in some sort of status. But they always brought players to try to take him out. I mean, they brought Ascona back back in the days to see if, if he could knock uh, Alfredo Aguilar out of that goalkeeper uh, position, and they, he 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 never lost his his pay, his pay, his place. Ascona had to go to another team, and now the same thing is happening with Olveira. They brought him in, they put him in, and Alfredo Aguilar is back, and he's been he's been there these last couple of games, and he's he's demonstrating that he's just been motivated by the situation that he's, this is just keeping him on the top of his game, and he's a national. A team player also we just we can't forget about that i mean he doesn't play usually because we have anthony silva maybe there's other players that usually get their chance at the goalkeeper position in the national team but this is an amazing goalkeeper that just demonstrated that himself alone can put his team in the next phase that's what he did last night in my way of seeing it i mean he was just way too important especially uh stopping that penalty shot when which was bigger which was the biggest uh, uh chance that inter got uh, against him and then you know orteman he needs to find his, his best team he needs to he needs to get the best out of ramon sosa he needs to best get the best out of willy mendieta who just got here he, he needs to be 100 to be an option or, or susa also he got late uh, on preseason so he still needs to kind of fit in that midfield and you need to get uh, the best out of Jorge Recalde again. He needs to be himself again. I mean, he's not scoring lately. There are some players that could step it up, and if they do step it up against Flamengo, who knows? Maybe Olympia gets to the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a really tight task, and I think it's these type of games that demonstrate how good you are, but of course, you have to keep with the times of wanting to, you know, hold on to these type of teams. Like, 
a Flamengo. And if it's not them, it could be a, a Palmeiras or River Plate. It could be any of those teams. So, yeah, that's the thing, too, for Aguilar. I, I agree with your point. I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper who's demonstrated, you know, a, a winner for two teams at Guarani and now at, um, at Olympia. So he obviously is not someone that is uh, not just out there. We know his talent. And, you know, he, he stepped up when he needed to. So I'm really happy to see that for him. He's not an average goalkeeper, Roberto. I mean, most people just put him there. He's just an average goalkeeper. I don't think he's an average goalkeeper. Oh, I think he's, the, he's done amazing things. He's done very important things in the Paraguayan game. And I think, you know, sometimes we just don't give the goalkeepers the, the respect that they deserve. 100%. 100%. Now, looking into what we saw from the other Paraguayan side uh, in the competitions of South America, we go into the Sudamericana, where Libertad are going to go to the quarterfinals, where they will take on Santos after eliminating Junior, um, losing actually on the day. It was a goal from Luis Gonzalez in the 87th minute, but it was enough because of what we saw in the first leg in Barranquilla, scoring four away goals, that it was enough for them to qualify to the quarterfinals. Ralph, I'm going to go to you on this one because we did see um, kind of that same scenario we saw again with Daniel Ganero. Is he able to manage these type of games with <laughs> knockout performances? Because they had to suffer. They had to suffer in this one, didn't they? Well, they they suffered a bit, but actually I think Garnero got it right because the goal did come eventually in 87 minutes and it was maybe... Maybe by the second half, it was starting to look like a more dangerous tactic because you you realize that Junior were going to score at, at any time. I mean, you know, they were just conceding chances and chances. But in the first half, it was very interesting because Junior themselves didn't really come out the blocks trying to play at high intensity. And it's because I think they had they were scared of what they knew Libertad could do on the break and, and the team Libertad had, right? Because they had Tito Viala, but they had Julio Enciso, who are very you know, very fast players, and, and they were kind of worried about that. I thought he also kind of plugged the gap that was the problem in the first game, which was Espinosa, left back, I didn't think had a good game. So he brought in Kugo and put Espinosa just ahead of him. So kind of almost, you know, they had two players almost doubling up on that left side, and that also helped them. So I felt, you know, that 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 kind of game plan actually was was sensible remember they had to concede two they they knew they could afford to concede one goal and um, they would have had to lose by two to to actually be knocked out um so i felt it was you know it's an okay situation by uh, by garnero and then as the game wore on you realize okay this is getting it, it's looking more dangerous but it's only going to be dangerous if they score and and you know maybe to give the benefit of doubt to Garnero, I think if they'd scored in like 50 on the 55th minute, uh, with the they had the penalty, remember that the Martin Silva saved. I think if they'd scored that penalty, then maybe he had something in his in his plans to try and change up a bit the the formation of the team. But in the end, when the goal finally comes in 87th minute, I think they were comfortable to be able to see out that kind of three minutes plus stoppage time. So it kind of worked okay. Um, and remember, this is the opposite of the Garnero we've seen before, where I think we've seen him before with Olympia in those continental competitions. He would have gone for it. He would have said, OK, they need to score two, but let's just make sure we score one. So they need to score three. You know, always that attacking kind of situation. And, and it hasn't paid off in the past. So so I'll give him the, the benefit of the doubt in this one. And again, we were talking about Aguilar, you know, Martin Silva, the goalkeeper with that save and Silva 
has always played, you know, he's Uruguayan. He, I think he's always played in South America as well. And he's a, he's a great goalkeeper. You know, he's, he's done so well. He won titles at Olympia. Uh, now he's at Libertad, you know, he's won, won a title there. And so he's a, also a very good goalkeeper that maybe is, for whatever reason, didn't make it into Europe. Yeah, absolutely. And Fede, going to you on this one, obviously they do have to play Santos in the quarterfinals. And looking at the way that the bracket is set up, you can also argue that we did talk about how this side is good enough to win it, the Suamericana, that is. If they're able to defeat a side like Santos, who are talented in itself, obviously the reigning uh, runners-up of the of the last Copa Libertadores, I think it starts to really come into a reality that this team can actually do it. Yeah, I, I actually do think they can do it. And uh, I said it before, I think it's going to depend on the group, just how tough they are in there in the locker room, just how strong they can be together. Also in the pitch, I mean, they're just, they're, they're, we have so many good players on this squad. Like never before, Libertad has, a, has an all-star team that they just really have to take advantage of. And it's all up to the, to the coach also, to Garnero, to make the right calls to pick the right players just because you have so many good players doesn't mean that just picking uh, 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 some of them you're gonna get the you're gonna get the results i mean you have to put the right pieces together the right you know the, the, the right partnerships also you're gonna have to find that uh, in these next games because it's just gonna get tougher and tougher i actually wanted it to to see libertad and i know a lot of libertad fans also they wanted to get a rematch against Independiente because they had gone against this team in a Sudamericana before. And so, and, and they couldn't get to semifinals. That was, uh, that was, that wasn't that far ago. If somebody can remember the exact year that happened. I remember I was in Avellaneda. I went to see that game in hand 2017. Were, 2017. That, that wasn't long ago. So that was still fresh in the memory of the Libertad fans in the preview, you know, cause they won, they, they had already gone through and they just sat back and watched this match between Santos and Independiente. So they were kind of picking and they wanted Independiente, but it's another Brazilian team. Obviously it's going to be really tough. These Brazilian teams are just way too fast, too speedy. You got to take the ball out of them. Uh, I, I do think the, the, the problem with Libertad is still that defense, you know, you, they, they have to get better back there. Uh, I'm not convinced from what I'm seeing. They, they, again, you, you needed Silva to step it up there, their goalkeeper. You know, it wasn't so much about the defense. It was more about the goalkeeper. So I, I kind of want to see the best out of the defense. I'm already seeing the best out of the offense of this team. I'm already seeing the strikers. I'm already seeing Tito Villalba. I'm seeing the creative side. I'm seeing the, you know, the, that midfield that, that gets the ball back, but I'm not seeing a, a, a convincing defense yet. And to, to be a championship team, you need to be an all-around team. You need to be 100% in all lines. 100%. I think it's going to be really, really tight to see what happens for both these teams. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Cerro Porteño. And obviously, like you had mentioned in the beginning, Fede, our condolences to the Arce family for the loss of their son. Obviously, tragic news that we saw on Sunday. And, you know, hopefully that they've... They find their peace. And, you know, obviously we go to something else that has been going on in the Paraguayan game that kind of got a bit of controversy, a bit of opinion, kind of a bit of, depending on how, how you view on it, really. It's just this whole case of the women's game where, you know, it's we've talked about it for quite some time already. And, you know, I want Ralph to go in on this one to, to talk about what happened. But after a game for Olympia, Diana Bulgarin, ended up becoming the uh, player of the match and ended up getting a reward of a Tramontina kitchen set. And yet 
there was a bunch of controversy being made. One signing on her for getting such an award, others not going on it because they're thinking, why is she getting that out of uh, cash prizes or something like that? So Ralph, if you want to like jump in and talk about what's been the case with this situation. Sure. I mean, I was following it. It's, it's actually, I think, the biggest international football news I saw this week in terms of Paraguay, because I saw like articles from Italy. I saw, you know, friends in the UK sending me by WhatsApp. So, you know, this this news got everywhere. And I think it's um, just because, of course, everybody takes something on social media, like an image, and the image looks really bad, which if you're working in Olympia or Tramontina, and you work in a marketing department or a PR department, I think you should be considering what this image might look like because it looked like a stereotype kind of if it's a woman football player, so let's give her pots and pans. Um, I think the reality is it's not, it was done in obviously total innocence, but also it's actually quite an expensive set of pots and pans. And Tramontina are, you know, one of the few companies that are supporting women's football in Paraguay. So what we saw in a lot of the comments is a lot of players um, and a lot of people inside the, the women's game in Paraguay were actually defending it and saying, well, you know, hold on, this is this is before we didn't get anything, you know, now we're actually getting something that's, that's quite useful. This is a company that's put money behind them, so let's support it and not, not criticize for the sake of it. But I think definitely there's, for me, there's some issues there with kind of, uh, kind of thinking about your image and, and what you want to portray. I mean, Tramontina also make like steak knives and stuff for barbecues. So, hey, they could have they could have done that. And I don't think anybody would have noticed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what other people's thoughts are, are um, in terms of in terms of, you know, this kind of image and, and what we're seeing in the, the women's game, trying to support it on one sense, but then maybe not doing the best job on the other side. Well, um, yeah, I, I agree, Ralph. You know, you have to see at both sides of, of the situation. But still, in in my opinion, I don't I don't think that they really thought about it uh, too too much about what this image, what this situation would have uh, uh, turned to. Um, I don't understand why Olympia can't give them. Uh, a, a cash price or or anything that's not um, you know anything that's just I would prefer if I was especially uh, uh, um, the the women's uh, uh, the women's teams in in Paraguay that they're not earning enough money already a cash price would have been a, a much better option in my opinion um, yes I understand that there's sponsorship uh, ties and all that stuff but. Uh, give them a gift card if that's what if that's something that that you want to you know sponsor use the sponsorship for but um it, it didn't look like a good thing for them it's not a good image um in my opinion um i i think uh there was some comments uh some journalist in paraguay i'm not sure um his name maybe maybe feather has seen it um he he said you know in paraguay we can't really uh, think like this, why are we uh, having to think about this feminism, something like that in those along those lines. Um, so you can see that in Paraguay, there's a lot of, of work to be done um, in terms of treating the women more equally. Um, I think it was a kind of a laugh in, in her face to give her, hey, here, have a kitchen set for you to go cook at home. 
uh, and also go play football. You know, it's it it wasn't. I I, I personally didn't like it. Um, I just saw I just I just saw this uh, news today, and when I saw it, I was like, what? Why? You know, <laughs> it's it's like I don't understand. I I don't think in. I'm not sure how it is in the men's team. But I don't think I've seen that before. Um, I'm sure they give them trophies and stuff like that, but I don't think I've seen them. Hey, uh, here's your 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 um, barbecue knives. Uh, you know, something manly like that. I don't think it happens uh, in the men's team. But that's my opinion. Yeah, they sell barbecue stuff also. They should have given her that. Maybe she likes the barbecue. I mean, uh, I don't know. People are just so sensitive to these subjects. I mean, it, they get so many comments uh, on social media. And this is not the first controversy. I mean, this is not the first time we talk about this also in What a New Vision. I mean, uh, this situation happening in social media, people reacting, people on one side, people on the other side. I mean, the discussion going on. Hopefully, something is building uh, up out of this. I mean, something. Hopefully, something is is coming out of this. Uh, just not, just not everybody getting aggressive and criticizing because you hear some people that are criticizing the brand. You hear people that are criticizing her for taking uh, that gift, not knowing maybe everything that could have happened after. You know, the whole reactions. I mean, the the the, the soccer player is just a victim there. I mean, she's she's part of the club. I mean, she just she, they just gave her the award, and she's obviously so happy. I actually want to congratulate uh, Diana Bogarin because, you know, just as Ralph said, that set is actually really expensive here. And that's why I got up for a second because I'm actually still trying to buy the set. My, mine are not matching. So I got a red one and I got a gold one. So uh, very, uh, so congratulations to Diana because I don't even have that set. I, I wish I had it because I, I also cook. You know, women are not the only ones that cook. So I don't know why people get so sensitive in these subjects. I mean, it's just a discussion and uh, maybe it actually even worked out for the brand because uh, after all people were talking about this it got it got way more comments than like the normal posts on on olympia olympia have like olympia femenino so the, for the women's team and it had like over three thousand comments and, and usually they're getting like 20 or to 50. um but one thing we should mention that the problem that i saw with this is is taken away from the whole discussion of the game itself olympia she won it was their first win of the season and no one's talking about the result of the game, which is, you know, what, what we're trying to do, especially on this show as well, is, you know, talk about the actual, the actual football that's going on. So just a reminder that they did win that game and they won today just before recording, which is, which is good news for them. Absolutely. I, I think it is a subject for debate. Certainly, we want to see the best out of the women's game in all levels, not just what we see on the pitch, but also off the pitch. We want that kind of equal acceptance. We know this, but at the same time, you can get why people are frustrated because they want things to happen like that. And it's not going to, unfortunately, you know, it's a sad reality that we live in, not just in Barraway, but all around the world. It's just, things have to go organically. So yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's certainly good publicity, at least for John Montina and for Olympia's case, but like Ralph said, that's the most important thing of it all, that they're winning and that they continue winning. You, you, you got to give credit to the brand because this is the first time that a brand is actually putting in money or is being a sponsor for only the women's squad. I mean, most of the brands that go into the clubs, they usually make deals for the women's team and for the men's team. They usually don't make it just for the women's team. And that's actually something that Tramontina has made an exemption and they don't do it only in Olympia. They also do it in Cerro Porteño and other teams. So props to the brand. I mean, we don't have that many brands uh, going into the women's game. So keep giving those pods because 
we we need them uh give the pots out that's a new hashtag for for them um yeah no i i agree um the fact that they're going exclusively for these teams is is very important so hopefully that's you know not a lot of people will talk badly about this but yeah i, I think we can all still make the argument of saying that you know they definitely should get more as well why not both why not get the tramontina and the money and everyone's happy leave it at that i think that might be the easier option so uh, credit to them and obviously credit to Olympia and Libertad for getting their wins. So this is the perfect way to close another great episode of Guarani Vision. So for myself, Roberto Rojas, Ralph Hanna, Fede Perez, and Maria Britos, thank you so much for listening in. See you soon. <laughs>